0: Who is God? What does the Bible mean? Why am I lying? What is God's will? I want to understand.
1: Reconnect. Reconnect. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Reconnect, the official podcast of Shinchenji, or New Heaven and New Earth Church. In this podcast, we dive deep into the Bible and gain a true understanding of God's Word. Here we are with our two very, very wonderful MCs. That was a weird introduction, but uh, yes, Ray and Dave.
0: Hello, everyone. Hola, como estas?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Drop it in Spanish. Drop it in Spanish. All right. Sounds good. All right.
1: The topic of today's episode is how do we meet God? Now, the reason we're going to talk about this topic is because so many Christians talk about their personal and individual experiences of meeting God, whether that be through a dream, a vision, a spur of like tears coming out uncontrollably. They all describe their experiences with God because it's so profound to them. That in one case, a person told me that they remember the exact time, date, and everything surrounding it. So to Christians, this experience and encounter is one that is truly impactful to their faith. But how should we understand these individual experiences? And that is where we get into the Bible today for some answers. So before we dive into that, I think it's really important for us to talk about what kind of experiences that you've heard about. Christians having these encounters and meeting God, so that it's not just coming from me. Ray, have you heard of any of these encounters so far?
0: Uh, A few. Uh, and <laughs> By a few, I mean a lot. But I think the majority of the examples I have come from when I went to a very conservative Christian university. Because mm. there you had people that had similar backgrounds to what I had. Growing up in Christian homes, and then many of the people I met had different events where they had a certain feeling that they felt, and yes, they can recount the the time and the day of when this happened, or they had a whisper in their ear when they had a moment of like big decision to make. Like, oh, I wasn't sure what university I wanted to go to, and then I heard a voice from God in the middle of the night telling me to do this. And sometimes it was like audible, or sometimes it was just a feeling or it was a result of a pastor or an evangelist that they they heard at their church or one of our chapel services at our university. But one common thing that I noticed a lot of was that it was usually based on themselves, a decision that they had to make or something that they were going through that was Mm. tough in their lives. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they had this meeting with God that really Mm. changed their faith, I guess.
1: Mm. Well, for me, it was a very close friend who heard a voice from God and the word was mission. Oh wow. A very specific word, mission. And that's when my friend decided to become a missionary. So voices, visions, dreams, emotions, different ways that people testify to their encounter and meeting God. Mm. But the thing is, and this is where I'm hoping Dave, you can chime in and you know give your thoughts. How are we to consider these individual experiences?
2: Just as that an individual experience, in in my uh, humble opinion. But when you're speaking God's Word and you're sharing God's Word to somebody, that does not instill faith in another individual, right? If we're sharing God's Gospel with each other, that's not going to help my knowledge in God actually grow, right? That's Mm. just your experience. But that through the Bible doesn't really show me who God is or how I personally can meet God as well. It doesn't throw a map down. And the other thing about it is, usually when you line up all the people who are speaking about these experiences, usually all of their experiences are different, right? They're not similar. And the interesting thing about the Bible is like throughout the times and different places it was written and how it's all links up. When all the prophets talk about encountering God, all of their experiences actually link up and they're all synchronized, right? They they meet God the same exact way. They do the same things. They always see the same thing, but sometimes it's just a different perspective in which they're looking at. So it can make it very confusing um, from there. And I'll save some other details for you guys to talk about. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, well. I think of it like this, for myself when I hear about these individual experiences, I go back to the Bible to confirm it, and by confirming it, I mean in the Bible, as you said Dave, there are many prophets who met God, Uh, they had visions, they had dreams, but although their encounters with God were slightly different, there is a consistency to them, and one consistency I want to talk about is the fact that when they met God, They were scared to death. Mm. They fell flat on their face. Mm. So you can go to the Old Testament prophets, as well as in the New Testament when you look at Apostle John, when he met Jesus. In Revelation chapter 1, he was afraid, and he fell straight to the floor. This is a consistent reaction to people who have met God and met Jesus. When I'm talking about Jesus, I'm talking about him in the holy form. Uh, But yes, when I hear people talk about their encounter with God, in a very serene, peaceful, yeah. or even mellow way, like they're walking with God in the garden and they're just talking about casual stuff. For me, I don't want to dismiss the experience entirely because we'll never know for sure. However, we need to be able to confirm it and line it up with the Bible to see if it's consistent. And the reason this is important is because the Bible tells us to be on guard. Mm. We can look to 2 Corinthians eleven fifteen, where it says, Satan approaches us as an angel of light. Have you guys read this verse before? Satan approaches us as an angel of light. Yeah.
2: Yes,
1: I don't know how you guys have thought of Satan before you learned the Bible, but to me, Satan was always this image of a pitchfork. Oh, yeah. A red cape. What was it for you guys? It was It was
0: about the same for me. <laughs> pitchfork, uh, four tongue tail. Uh, depending on what version of Satan I'm thinking of, he might have hoops, feet, or something like that. Well, I remember when I read that about Satan being an angel of light, Satan was apparently described as beautiful, but I never really made the connection to what that actually meant until years and years later.
2: Yeah, for me, it's more of like whatever was in the cartoons, like you can see in the cartoons. It would be be along those lines. Yeah, this verse definitely was an eye-opener for sure.
1: Yeah. Although it's in the Bible, the reason people continue that, uh, I don't know, stereotype about the image of Satan is because I think people have a tendency to think that when Lucifer, Satan, turned away from God, God revoked all his beauty and all the power that he bestowed on him. And, you know, that's not the case. That's not what's written in the Bible. He was beautiful and he's still beautiful. God gave him those blessings and he used it against God. So it's still right there. But I I guess it really is because of people's tendencies or for whatever reason, people seem to think that now he's this monstrous image, which he clearly isn't, as we can see in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And going beyond that, you can see in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that this Satan is pretending to be God Mm. in God's temple. That's Pretty not, shocking verse for me.
2: Yeah, that's not talked about enough. And I think that's a really good point when we're talking about really meeting God, being able to distinguish, okay, is this uh holy being that is in front of me? If we never met a real angel of light, we wouldn't be able to know what a fake angel of light is, right? So if the first encounter looks beautiful and amazing and magnificent, and that's fake, you know, we can't really rely on our eyes when it's concerning uh the god unless our eyes are pointing to the bible and our brain is attached to it you know the spirit is also there right and we're being guided in terms of what god wants because that's also a big thing too because if we're just hearing random things but it's not aligned with what god wants then that's also a telltale sign too that it's not really from god
1: yeah Mm. I think you made a great point there about not being able to distinguish whether or not that angel of light that's in front of me is God or Satan. Because you know, I imagine I put myself in the position of a dream and this angel of light approaches me and says, Hey, I'm God. How am I supposed to know? Because I've never seen God. The Bible says no one has ever seen God, Yeah. right? And so how am I supposed to know whether or not you're God or the enemy? And it's just no way of knowing by appearance. Mm. There's certainly a way that God tells us in the Bible, but the point I want to make here is that we have no way of telling whether this is God or Satan by the appearance. So that's why we need to be mindful and on guard when we listen to these testimonies or experience it ourselves. Mm. So as I said, not to dismiss their experiences entirely, but be mindful and verify, confirm whether or not it lines up with the Bible. Same for voices, right? Yeah. So in the Old Testament, when the Israelites heard God's voice, what was their reaction?
0: Oh, it was like the equivalent of like hearing a loud stereo and being like, please shut it off. Because <laughs> it's, it's, uh. <laughs> 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 I'm thinking of Exodus 20, where they're like, you know, hey, uh, Moses, if you want to speak to us, that's fine. But like, don't have God speak to us, because if we hear that, we'll die. And they described it as the sound of like dying, like they felt like they were dying. When they were hearing god's voice and this is without even seeing him which we know that have they seen him they would they would have ceased to exist but just hearing god's voice alone was enough to bring like that mm-hmm. level of discomfort
1: mm-hmm. when you hear testimonies of people meeting god through voices it's also something to question not for the purpose of just simply being suspicious but looking at the bible and looking at the experiences of people who listen to God's voice it's compared to the sound of thunder I mean have you guys heard thunder very close (laughs) I don't know my inners like it feels like I'm terrified Mm. you guys can tease me because you know guys they shouldn't be scared of the sound of thunder but when I hear it I'm like hey I'm really terrified it's so loud (laughs) <laughs> this is a <laughs> this is a safe space. So. It's a safe space. Yeah. Yes, no <laughs> <judgment>. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but you know, you guys might say you're not scared, but if you hear thunder like right next to you or right above you, oh yeah, you guys would feel scared. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I think it's like our instinct to be a little bit uh, afraid of it, and it just when I uh, watch my uh, dog when there is thunder, mm. like and how animals react too. They're not just like, <laughs> they hear it, they're like, <laughs> they like, kind of get real low to the ground and they like kind of like mm. scatter, if you will. It's not uh, a sound that is, you know, that we're used to as, as just mm. mammals,
1: I guess. <laughs> yeah. And when it comes to God's voice and us listening, oh. the experience as seen in uh, the Israelites during Exodus was of fear. Of dying, yeah, so I think we also need to take that into account when we hear someone saying that they heard God's voice. you have the biblical definition biblical
0: example of hearing God's voice, and so yeah, it brings into doubt whether uh you were having a stroll on your way to work and God was speaking to you mm. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I don't think he'd be able to drive straight. <laughs> <laughs> it's very very true
2: did i have that fear i guess is also something that they should be thinking too mm, not just uh, to hear it right but a like, also, did, did mm. i have that fear mm. when i heard the whisper or was i so into the moment that i had no fear right because
1: yeah.
2: it's an important thing to really distinguish mm.
1: yeah so the question was how should we consider these experiences of meeting god and I think the bottom line is we need to be cautious because the Bible tells us to be cautious. If there were no enemy, if there was no Satan, then all our experiences would be with God. But because yeah. the enemy approaches us as an angel of light, showing himself to be God, this is why it's dangerous. And although you may feel like your experience is 100% like dead certain with God, yeah. experience feeling cannot be the standard, it always has to be God's Word and the Bible. That's why we keep having examples of how prophets reacted, how the Israelites reacted. So this is something that we should all consider.
2: Yeah. Uh, just to show, Satan's power, when Moses was uh, doing the plagues, he put down his staff and it turned into a snake. What did the other magicians, I guess, what did they Ooh. do? Wow.
1: Very good question.
2: Yeah. Right. They also did the same thing. They put down their staffs and they turned into snakes. Now, of course, Moses' staff ate up those snakes, but it (laughs) still goes to show. It still goes to show that Satan has power as well. Right. Satan has power. And so into the untrained eye to someone who is not expecting it, he will definitely take advantage. So it's really, really important to realize that Satan does have power. He really, really has power. And we need to be aware of that so we can weaken him.
1: Wow. So Satan takes advantage of people wanting to see God, wanting to meet God. I think that's a terrific point because that is true. Mm -hmm. What I feel about most Christians who claim to meet God is they have a very strong desire to do so. They really want to meet God. I think we can all agree that that is a good thing, right? Yeah. The desire to meet God is a very good thing, but Satan takes that heart and manipulates it and takes advantage of it and shows himself to be God in many cases to these people. So the thing is, people continuously strive to meet God, but it's not easy because we have the enemy and also God is invisible, we've never seen God, it's very difficult to understand whether we met god or not Mm. if you look in isaiah chapter 45 verse 15 it says that god is one who hides himself so now we have to distinguish between god and satan we have never seen god so we don't know what he looks like and on top of that he's spirit so he's invisible and for the cherry on top (laughs) he hides himself So it seems like God is making it very difficult for us to find him and for us to meet him. But when we look at this verse, Isaiah 45, 15, is it really his intention to hide himself from us? Is God making it intentionally difficult for his children to find him?
0: I would say he'd like there to not be a situation where he has to hide himself. I'd say that. But I mean, in one of our previous episodes, we talked about uh, the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, where we have that account of, of Adam and Eve betraying God and the entire world dealing with the ramifications of that decision ever since. And when we look back into the Old Testament and we see that example and all the different times where God has actually tried to make a covenant with the Israelites to make a covenant with people that he wanted to reconnect with, but they can never keep their end of the bargain when you go through a process like that, it, it's very akin to trying to seek a relationship with someone that you really trust, and you're putting all your cards on the table for that person, and they are time and time again unwilling to give 100% back. So there, there can't be trust there. It's a one-sided relationship, and so. Really looking at first Kings chapter 11, from that point, it was just like, God's like, man, this is just not going to work. I can't do the same routine again and again. So when I think about that kind of mindset, that kind of emotional experience that it feels like to be in that kind of a cycle of a relationship, I'm like, man, I might be hiding myself too because I, I want someone who's actually going to want me for the right reasons and actually want my heart, especially if I'm the creator.
1: You brought up a really good point. It happened time and time again. I feel like this is especially true when we look at the book of Judges. Mm. We had 12 Judges, and you can see a pattern there, which is the Israelites turn away from God. God tells them to come back. They don't. And because God is no longer with them, when outside nations attack them, they lose, and they start to suffer, so they call to God yeah. asking for help. And God helps them out by sending the judges, right? Mm. And like I said, there were 12 judges. What does that imply? This happened 12 times. Mm. Imagine yourself in a relationship. I hope you never have to be in a relationship (laughs) like that, but where your significant other is continually betraying you. Mm -hmm. You know, God says in Jeremiah 31, verse 31 to 32, he says he was a husband to us, but we broke the covenant. Yeah. So imagine yourself being in that position where your significant other says that, oh, I'll be faithful to you. I promise. But then turns around and goes, cheats on you. Oof. Have you ever been cheated on? Let's get, yes. we're getting real personal here, TJ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it hurts. If you have, it hurts. Dave, can you forgive? Like, were you able to forgive that person?
2: I'll say this I'll forgive, but I won't forget. Uh,
0: ah. Yeah. yeah. I used to think that, you know, you should be, you should do both. But it's like <laughs> it's, But even yeah, but even based on experiences that I've had, it's it's like it's hard to let that go. That memory of that feeling mm. is still there. Whether you like it or not.
2: I will say this. If it was my wife, no, I will never forgive. I would never forgive because we did <sighs> make that that vow. We made a commitment, right? Uh, if it's just yes. Mm. <laughs> true, true. If it's just a relationship, like you know, in high mm. school or whatever the case may be, you know, that's something you can you can get over, right? Like as time mm. progresses. But when you really get older and you settle down, you choose this is the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And essentially, that's what God is also doing, right? He's I am your husband. These the, yeah. I was a husband to these people. Meaning what? He wants to be, what? He wants a, a, an exclusive relationship.
1: Well put. Mm.
2: Right, he wants an exclusive relationship. And the saddest thing is that people decided that they don't want to be exclusive to God. <laughs> In their perspective, <laughs> God wasn't giving them what they needed, so they left God, <sighs> right? Mm-hmm. God
0: wasn't enough for them.
2: The sad thing is the person who was cheated on, it's never their fault. Mm. It's actually a problem with the person who is cheating, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. That is always the issue. And in this case with God, it's very, very clear, right? God just wants to be acknowledged. And we, as a human race, consistently time and time again, have rejected God. Whenever he tries to come, we kill whoever he sends. We're, we're not just rejecting him. We're extremely violent against him. Mm. Yeah. Right? And so why should he not hide from what we want? Because it, clearly what we want historically is not God. So mm. what's the reason for him not hiding? When you put, paint that picture, when you see God's heart, mm. what would you do?
1: <laughs> if you were God.
2: If you were God you have billions, trillions of people that ultimately want to kill you, even though they can't.
1: <laughs>
2: right? But anyone that you send, they, they do. They try to.
1: All the prophets. Yeah. I mean, Jesus said to the Israelites, whenever God sent them a prophet, they were the ones who killed God's prophet, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Israelites. The people who were chosen, chosen by God to be his people, they killed them and even killed Jesus. I think the question was very well put, why wouldn't he hide himself? But going back to that uh, metaphor about being in a relationship and being cheated on, Dave, you said if it were your wife, you would not be able to forgive because you made that right. covenant, that promise. And it, it means something. Definitely. This is a justified reason for a divorce. Absolutely. The thing about God is he forgives and they do it again. And for whatever reason, he forgives again and again, and again, and again. I don't think anybody in the right mind in a normal li- relationship would do this. But God does this because of something very simple, because he loves. He cannot overcome his love for us and that's why he is forced to come back. But then mm. God can't simply come back and do the same thing over and over again because he knows that it's not going to work for us. Yeah. So for our benefit, He hides from us. You have to see it like that because God has always wanted to be with us, so the fact that He hides Himself is something that we need to consider from His perspective. And because if He loves us so much, then His hiding should also be to our benefit, for our sake. And this is how we should look at it.
2: Absolutely. By us looking at Him when we're not ready to be able to see Him.
1: (laughs) Right. So I think this is something we can talk about because I just said God does this for our sake. What would happen if God appears before us to tell us like once and for all, Hey, I am the almighty. I am the only one God. So stop chasing after idols, believe in me. And he does that by appearing before us and just putting his foot down. What would happen?
2: Through experience or through history, we would go on the straight and narrow path towards him. And as time progresses, we would lean off that path. Yes. That's without the progresses. proper guidance. Yeah. Without yep. the proper guidance. That's good. Right. That's exactly what human beings have been doing or, and will continue to do without the proper guidance.
1: Mm. Yeah. You know, a lot of my atheist friends have argued against me by saying, if God does exist, then why doesn't he show miracles, right? And then I told them, well, consider this. When you saw lightning for the first time, That's pretty miraculous. It's a very, very miraculous thing. It's a phenomenon, right? But when it (laughs) happens over and over again, you see it the next time it rains, and the next time it rains, it's no longer a miracle. Yeah, it's expected. And you just kind of grow to be numb. And that's exactly what God's miracle was to the Israelites. You see manna falling from the sky. (laughs) Yeah. gives water in the middle of the desert, the 10 plagues, (laughs) splitting of the Red Sea, and they all grow numb to it because they see it on a daily basis. It no longer holds that significance. And that's what a miracle is. And that's why God doesn't show us miracles to evangelize us and get us to believe him. It doesn't work. And that's the thing.
0: Like in, in the case of the Israelites, it didn't take them long. Yeah, It wasn't a super long period of time from when they were seeing all these miracles happen until they were building a golden calf to worship as their true deliverer.
2: Jesus also talks about how, you know, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign.
1: Yeah, actually. Mm.
2: That's not what we should be looking for.
1: It's really, really interesting. But Dave, you said, if God appears before us, we'll cease to exist. I think many of our listeners would like to know why that is. Why you're saying we would cease to exist if if God comes to us. Wow,
2: (laughs) God is pure. He is pure, pure righteous, uh, and all of us individually, we are not. We have this thing called sin, uh, which has been covered extensively uh, in the previous uh, episodes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Definitely mm-hmm. listen to it if you haven't.
0: Please <laughs> <Me> do. Uh, <soon. laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: but uh, with that, God and sin cannot coexist. Yeah. There can only be one. And mm-hmm. being that God is the Almighty, it will only be Him. So we would cease to exist because we are the ones carrying that sin. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, some people would say, oh, that's foolish. Like God is Almighty, mm-hmm. then He could just get rid of your sin and He could be with you. Right? Well, I would say, one, <laughs> you didn't create things. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, and, that's a big point. And, and two... God has a plan. He has a plan for that to happen. It's just not happening the way that you would like it to happen. And yes. a part of the reason for that is because people, in a short period of time, it's very easy for people to be very focused, uh, biblically speaking. But also, even if you bring it up to something that's near and dear to people's heart in, in this century, going to the gym, right? People can be very, very focused diligent about going to the gym for like a week, two weeks. But when you talk about long term, they they stray, right? Not to overly simplify the whole process, but just in terms of people's mentality.
0: You know, you really you really touched me in the heart there.
1: (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) The gym part?
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, It's been about a week I should uh Well, that, that is that is a very good example.
1: That's a very good example. <laughs> so we, I think, this brings us to Exodus chapter thirty-three, verse twenty, where God says that if you see me, you will die. And to me, before I understood what the Bible really meant, what God really meant in this verse too, it seemed very misleading because I felt like God saying, "Hey, if you see me, you're gonna die." That seemed very authoritative and not loving, to say the least. But understanding the quality of God being holy and not being able to coexist with sin and something that is unholy allowed me to understand that this is not something that God wants either. So if you look at light and darkness, it's not that light intends to destroy darkness. It's just the way it is. Please understand that God being holy and Us being unholy, it's like light and darkness, how they can't coexist. God has a plan. So what is that plan, ultimate plan?
2: To reconnect with us, right? To live with us, for us to live with him eternally. And that is what is considered as paradise. That is his ultimate goal. Obviously, he would forgive our sin. We would be atoned Mm -hmm. for sin, right? And we would live with him eternally. That is his
1: plan. Sounds beautiful. <laughs> There's a
2: lot of words involved in that plan, but that is the beautiful mm-hmm. ending. People like
0: the beautiful ending. <laughs> well, people people focus on the beautiful endings, but <laughs> the work part they tend to ignore. Yeah.
1: So this will all happen when we meet God, when we are reconnected with God. You know you think about First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse twenty-seven, when God says that He will be all in all Mm. if you understand that verse if you read the context of it it says that god is not all in all right now and that's why he his plan is to be all in all which is essentially to be with us but the thing is we all talk about these experiences these individual encounters with god because we essentially want to be reconnected with him Mm. so what is the best way that god gave us to meet him We keep searching for the wrong places to find God when God so simply defined where we could find him. Mm. And that is through the word. Because the Bible says God is the word. John chapter 1 verse 1. So I think we all need to stop looking for God elsewhere. But start looking where God told us to look. Which is the Bible. (laughs)
2: Amen. Amen. I don't know. That's pretty hard. (laughs) <laughs> it's so much. It's, it's so much easier, just doing a random Google or Yahoo or Yahoo, Bing
0: or DuckDuckGo search. I'm not I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not fast, Jeeves. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is a,
2: throw,
0: <laughs> it's a throwback.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's so much easier to do that. Right? I can yeah. just go on my phone. Don't even think about it. Just type, type, type. It's like, oh, I feel sad today. Get some type of answer. I want
0: some, I want some verses. Right, of course we
2: can all do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Of course
2: that's doable. But is it uh, the spiritually responsible thing to do? Mm. To just look for any old answer without verification? Even if you find that answer on Google, you still have to verify if it's correct or not with the word.
1: Right?
2: Yeah. So exactly exactly what you were talking about. Always, always have to look where God (laughs) Mm. is telling us to look. Where he put his heart. Mm. You might as well go there.
1: But you know, to be fair, although God has really simply stated that we can find him in the word, it's quite difficult because the word is difficult to understand. Yeah. You may read it and sometimes you're reading about history Sometimes you're reading about a woman named Ruth. Ruth. Sometimes you're reading about the Israelites rebuilding their city wall. Uh, Now you're reading about a person named Jesus. And all the 66 books in the Bible, I'm not surprised if many Christians have turned away from this method of finding God through the Bible because it has been so difficult. And as you said, Dave, it's much easier to Google something and find the answer in someone else's testimony or personal experience. That's so much easier. But this goes to show that finding God is not easy. No. It takes your heart and your effort essentially because God is hiding himself. Yeah. How do you expect to find someone who is hiding himself? The good thing is God has given us a way to find him through the word In spite of all this difficulty, he has given us the way. And that way is first for us to have the right heart. Mm. The kind of attitude that we should have towards the Bible is one that God already clarifies in the Bible. We say that God is hiding. But the strange thing is that if you look in Psalm 14, verse 2, God is looking down on this world Mm -hmm. and trying to find someone who is looking for God. So even in his hiding, God is trying to find someone who is truly searching for him. And I believe that most Christians know Proverbs 8, verse 17. I love those who love mm-hmm. me and those who seek me find, find me. me. So God wants to be searched for. Ask yourself whether or not you really do have that heart. Really want to find God. Really want to meet him through his method that he told us, which is the Bible. Yeah. This is the first and foremost attitude that we should have.
2: You also need sacrifice as well, right? Because there's going to be a time where there's going to be something that you want to do. Something, <laughs> <laughs> you know, something else, I should say, right? Of course, yeah. you all want to meet God. But I would say it like this. Whenever I'm teaching someone, I've taught a few people who've never had a boyfriend or never had a girlfriend. Suddenly, when they start studying with me about God, and work just suddenly they just get a get a boyfriend or get a girlfriend and next thing you know all their time is
0: just Mm. taken up (laughs) taken up
2: it's amazing not saying that you can't have you know boyfriend girlfriend significant other of course but it's just about managing your time learning Mm -hmm. to sacrifice some things for something greater yeah, mm-hmm. which would be God, but at those moments it doesn't necessarily seem like it's greater because it might seem like oh we're just meeting another person, yeah. Or I'm just reading about God. I'm just reading. I can read. I can read anytime. Yeah, right? exactly. But if we really think about as you as you said with Psalms 14:2, if we really think about God looking down, looking for someone who's searching for Him, trying to understand Him then we will realize that at that time, God is actually waiting for me. Yeah. Right. So if I give this up, whatever
0: it might be, it's not better than being with God. You know, one thing that I've actually in the past been guilty of myself is that when I've really taken the time to step back and actually reflect on what I give my time to each day, you know, I have to really see like where the time that I told God that I was like, Hey, you know what? This is the time I'm going to spend in my day to study the Bible so that I can seek God's heart. If I truly claim to want to know God, then I will allocate this time for him. And so often, just like you were saying, Dave, when it comes to like a boyfriend, girlfriend, and other things popping up all of a sudden, when those times happen, it's when all my other priorities that, like whether it's work related or even family related, you know, it's, it's in those moments where even things in your life that are not bad, you know they're 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 not bad things in our lives. They're some of them are things that we have to do as responsibilities, as just for me, just being an adult. But it's in those times where I'm supposed to be set inside my time for God, where suddenly those things are screaming in my ear, and it's hard to keep focus. It is something that has to do with prioritizing, you know, what's really important in our lives. But it's also removing that mindset. Of I can open the Bible anytime. So for me, if I set a time where I where I've told God this is this is my time for you, I don't view it as something that's movable. For many Christians in the world right now, and especially with the the kind of mentality that I used to have years ago, it is something that's movable because, <laughs> like it or not, we say a lot of things about how God is the most important thing in our lives, but really He's like. Spending time with him is like, or truly seeking him, having that heart is like, it's like number three or four on our to-do list of the day. (laughs) And that's the sad reality of it.
1: And if I summarize what you said and what Dave said, so sacrifice, prioritizing, and perhaps um, I can even maybe put it as not taking God for granted. And as I said, we have to have the heart of truly searching him. All these different things can be summed up in one word, and that's love. Mm, hmm if you love someone you'll take an interest in them you'll naturally seek them and search for them this is what we do when we love someone we want to know about them we want to know what they like and what they dislike so we can please them and love comes with sacrifice you will do what you need to do for that person even if it does mean giving up on something that you want that is love if you look at it God really just wants to be loved by his children Mm. And once you do, once you have that love, and you take that love and you use it while reading the Bible and trying to understand who he is and to truly meet him, then who else would God search for? Who would God meet when there's a person like this who has a heart like this? The Bible tells us that this is the person that God searches for. Now, that being said, the first and foremost is the attitude, like we said, we have to love God. But then there comes part two in meeting God through the word, which is really understanding the word. And, you know, if you get into the nuts and bolts of it, you need to be taught. The reason <laughs> I say this is because Jesus taught the disciples. Yeah. The disciples were not able to understand the Old Testament on their own. They had to be taught. The Ethiopian eunuch had to be taught what the scriptures of Isaiah meant. So have the heart to learn to seek God to sacrifice your time and whatever that may be so that you prioritize learning about God first and foremost, then God will open up the pathway for you to truly understand his word. Amen. And one way, one pathway is through this podcast, everybody. So keep listening. <laughs>
0: Shameless plug.
1: (laughs) It it was shameless. But it's true. But it's true. I'm not going back. I'm going to stand by it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Truthful plug. Yeah, there you
1: go. I like that. Truthful plug. I like that. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. (laughs) So that is all we have for today. And in the continuing episodes... We will talk about what God's plan is in the Bible. So we're not gonna leave you hanging, but we ask that if you've been listening, you have that heart of searching God and loving God so that you may be able to sacrifice the things that you need to for God when the time comes. But God doesn't ask of you this right away. It's a building process. So the more that you learn about God, the more you will love him and the more you'll want to sacrifice. So it's not an overnight thing. No pressure, but the thing is, you still need to keep listening, studying, learning about God. Mm. That heart has to be there. Mm. Amen. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. And uh, if you like what you heard, please download, subscribe, share with your friends. And uh, we'll come back with another interesting episode next time. So until then, this has been your host, TJ. Ray. And (laughs) Dave. and you've been listening to (laughs) reconnect
2: we'll get there alright thank you everybody (laughs) bye guys
0: have a good one